Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, barely conscious human listeners. <laughs> Greetings to everyone. What are you talking about, Ben? I, I had a long night, Sammy, because my uh, my track car broke down. Um, on Friday, I was driving to the racetrack, and I, I was on the highway, and fifth gear just exploded. Like, it just, there was like, a, it kept pushing out of gear, and then... Then finally there was no more gear and I put it in fourth and I kept driving another 40 miles and by the time that was done and I got to the track, I ended up with first, third, and sort of fourth uh, and I ended up sharing my dad's Mustang for the for the track day itself because uh, my car was a no-go and then to get it home, we towed it home in the trailer but my dad doesn't live in the same town that I do so once we crossed the border back into Canada, I waited for a tow, and that took about three hours, and I got home around midnight, and it's, it was a long day. Let, let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, But here I am. Here I am podcasting, and that's, yes. what's, that's what's important. So, I, And I, as I said to you earlier in the sh- before we started the show, it's really hard to get mad at a 40-year-old transmission breaking because it really <laughs> it put in its time. And uh, now we're going to talk about some much newer cars that are in much better shape, I think. Absolutely. But before we get to that, I just wanted to remind our audience where they can find your kind of content, um, particularly content with your name on it somewhere. Uh, I know that I can find your stuff at autoguide.com, but as well as Haggerty and sometimes autotrader.ca and the New York Daily News. Am I missing anything else? You probably are, but let's just move on. (laughs) Okay. And you can find my stuff over at Autoguide and Autoguide's YouTube channel. But this week... We're on the Unnamed Automotive Podcast talking about two very cool sports cars. Ben, I think I've got the cooler one this week. Probably. You usually do. I mean, you're always leveraging your position at AutoGuide to uh, get behind awesome cars and then message me about them and tell me how how I could be driving them. But since I'm not, you know, cool like Sammy at AutoGuide, I I don't get that opportunity. Uh, Only half of that is is correct. I I just send you photos of the cars I'm. T- we, in fact, me and you barely ever talk until we get to the podcast. It's true. <laughs> it's like... because that's how you build up the simmering tension that powers this recording. Exactly. Yes. And then we always like just like, hey, what do you got this week? Oh, you got that. Well, I got this. Okay, let's talk about it. And then there's just like <laughs> cold silence for thirty seconds and. And as we work out our, our various technical issues before starting recording. Now people know the ins and outs of our podcasting system. <laughs> Less of a system and more of a, more of a happening. Okay, well, what is a system is what's found in the vehicle that I was driving. I drove the 2019 BMW i8 Roadster. Now, oh, hey ben, now. You and I have driven the i8 before, and we both came away pretty impressed. The i8 is a car that does not get enough um, credit because it's somewhat meager specifications. This is a car that looks like a supercar, costs a lot of money, and doesn't quite have the numbers to back up both of those um, two elements. But yeah, we've, we've talked when, about that fairly extensively in the past. And do you do you think the Roadster is is any different? Do you think it brings something else to the table that kind of uh, might turn more heads than the coupe? I mean, for sure, the fact that it's a Roadster gives it a little bit more of an added element of road presence on the road when the roof is down. It has a very good look, both with the roof up and down. It also removes the rear seats that were somewhat useless in the coupe. <laughs> I honestly forgot the rear, rear seats in that vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it adds an, an extra an extra bit of money to the price tag, actually about, um, let's see here, almost $20,000. Wow. Well, I mean, uh, I guess that's a 20% premium, so it's not yeah. really not not that bad. 
I mean, I don't know what it is about the I-8, but when it's on the road, casual car fans or, or just other motorists really get excited about it. They get super stoked when they see somebody getting in and out of it because this roadster still maintains those funky uh, butterfly-like doors. I think they're called dihedral. I don't know what they're, they're called. They're called three-comma doors, Sammy. Three-comma doors, right? They go up like this, upwards. Right? Exactly. Or sideways doors. Um, and it is a very fun car to drive. It doesn't matter that it has just like 300 and I think 69 horsepower. It is so much fun to drive. And let's it, just say 369 horsepower is not like a consolation prize. That's not a bad amount of power. I mean, other vehicles, especially vehicles that cost well over $150,000, they have more than 369 horsepower. Yes. That is the least, that is the most dollar per horsepower figure, I think, on the market right now. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe a Unimog. <laughs> that might, yes, maybe. That might tip the scales. <laughs> Good call. I forgot about the diesel powered uh, <laughs> lorry that people could also purchase. Um, it is such a sweet ride because. There's something about the electric motors and the way they deliver power that is just, it's so hard to describe, you have to experience it. But I'll tell you, it's an instant acceleration feeling that is unlike a turbocharger, it's unlike a naturally aspirated engine, and it just feels like you, you've just hit a turbo button like in a video game. You know, like old Need for Speed games when you hit like Nitro or NOS, it just, it just picks you up forward and gets going. And that's the sort of feeling that you get with this car. So if it has 369 horsepower and still feels so exhilarating to just put your foot down and get that instant rush, that's okay. That's totally okay with me. That's yeah. what I like about this car. And and there's also the fact that with the three-cylinder engine, it kind of sounds like half a 911. It sounds so weird. It sounds so bizarre. And inside the cabin, it sounds even stranger because it pipes all of this weird noise in the car. This, like... So it was like a sci-fi effect has been placed on the three-cylinder engine noise. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, and you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it is unique. <laughs> it doesn't sound like any other semi-supercar out there. Um, the fact that they've added um, a power retractable roof that actually takes about 16 seconds to open and close. and now, you can Who has it? that kind of time? Hey, hey, listen. If you've got the time to get an, a BMW i8, you have 16 seconds to oh, either... Uh, Remove the roof, remove the roof, or or put it back on. What is the term for using a convertible? I don't know. You don't seem to. You don't seem to be very good at at. You're a guy. You're. What's your job again? You describe the experience of driving various cars and. Yes. Why can't I describe removing a roof and? But when it, it comes back to on? convertibles, you just completely flummoxed. Yes. Uh, it is like uh, it is like because I'm so unused to driving with a car that can no longer have a roof when it just 16 seconds ago did you know what i mean can no longer have a roof you make it sound like the car is barren like i like a doctor came out with like a serious expression on his face and was like i'm sorry sammy but um this car can no longer have a roof <laughs> and then everyone just looks down at the ground because no one wants to look anyone in the eye right um that's the uh, ad campaign for the i8 by the way <laughs> that's that's the total downer of an ad campaign they've got running for their their hybrid electric supercar. They're like, yeah, it's uh, it's a bunch of bad vibes, but the top comes down. <laughs> that's, that's not true. The i8 has no bad vibes. That's that's what I've got to say about this car. Is after a whole week, actually, the most difficult thing about this i8 is getting in and out of it. That those those doors are um, they're a bit tricky. When somebody does park a little too close to you, you are going to you're not gonna they're not gonna like what you did to their car. Okay. Like honestly. 
here's the thing. It's a convertible, so you just jump into the car. You're not you're not even getting into this car the right way. That's it's nothing to do with the car. If the top's down, it's not hard to get into. Also, the roof that roof that remo- that is removable that removable roof that oh convertible goodness. top <laughs> that convertible top is honestly tiny. It's about the size of a sunroof. And every time somebody was like, "Oh, this comes out. Why?" <laughs> Why do you need that extra, you know, space? And I'm like, well, you know, you're, you know, um, hair in your, wind in your hair, you know? Yeah, I totally know. So, you know, I, what I like about the i8 is it, it, this whole horsepower thing doesn't really bother me. I, I right. think that the the idea of cars that are really cool based on style and concept mm-hmm. and are still expensive, but um, they offer something maybe you can't get from uh, a competitor. I think there's a huge amount of room for that in the market. I mean. Are we really comparing an i8 to a comparably priced 911? I mean, at this or a, point, or a Corvette? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the 911 is pretty much a uniform at this point for certain mm-hmm. people and certain professions and certain um, economic statuses. If you want to step outside of that uniform, we've talked about this in the past with the uh, the Mercedes AMG GT being yep. another example of something that's out of the ordinary in that segment. I mean. Mm-hmm. You don't have to – who says you have to have 500 horsepower to make a statement? I think the i8 makes a crazy statement just on its own. Plus you have the the, the hybrid aspect of it, which is going to be unique, and uh, that's that's enough for me. And now, now the top comes down and disappears and, and never comes back, according to Sammy. I mean that's – what more could you really ask for? But we're not going to get a V10 version of the i8. You know, It's not going to happen. I mean, that's what that's what makes a lot of people laugh is like BMW will put a 600 horsepower engine into their family sedan, but not into their supercar. So what's going on over there? Right. Do they have the wrong people working on the on on different cars? No, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> but, you know, the, you, you've got me thinking and yeah. that's always dangerous. And I in love this, that. That's in my this case, thing. you got me thinking about the NSX, which has yeah. what, 550 horsepower or something like yeah. that. So yeah. it's similarly priced to the i8. Are, are they close? Yes, very oh, close. I would take an i8, no question. Yes. Um, um, and even though the 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 uh, the sorry um, NSX would walk all over it in every performance category, and I've driven both of them, uh, and I, I I totally know that going into this this theoretical purchase I will never make, but uh, it would definitely be i8. I just think it's a cooler car. The, the the NSX leaves me cold, but I think the design of the the i8 is so intriguing that I would love to drive that every day. That's really interesting. I think the performance of the NSX really does speak um, a lot about the synergy between electric ve- electric motors and an internal combustion engine, but they're completely different aspects. The i8 went all in on that electrified idea, and I actually really enjoy driving this car in that E-Max mode, which is all electric. It's very quiet. It's very smooth. Um, and it allows people to see the car without like having to hear it at the same time. And whenever, you know, there's some cars when you hear them first and you're like, oh, what is this moron with an exhaust, with a modified exhaust or something? And you Sammy's a, like, a BRZ owner. So he gets that a lot. I get that a lot. I mean, even a lot of cars are like that actually, but it's, it's this really subtle way of just not trying to get too much attention with, with the noise of the car, letting the car do it with its design um, and what that says about you as well. I think that's really cool. I have to admit, there's one weird thing about the vehicle. It's a um, actually, there's a number of terrible things about the car. I've got to admit, like <laughs> Whoa, when you when that you... really that really shifted really quickly. No, no, I gotta, that. now I'm thinking here. When you if you're too short, you can't reach the door handle when you're sitting in it when it's when the door is open. That okay. sucks. Well, that's okay. not the that's not the only car like that. 
That is true. Like I was a, hoping that BMW would sort that out. We're talking about an automaker that has, in the 4 Series uh, convertible, has a, a weird arm that pushes the seatbelt towards you. Yes. Why can't they do something automated for the door handle? And, Why and can't we get the door handle? You know, um, another car, the car that got me the most, I'm, I'm not short, um, mm. but I'm not very tall. And I, I was in an Aston Martin, um, the, the four-door, what is it called? I can never repeat. remember. The Repeat. And it has, the way its chassis is built, the doors open up and away from the car. Yeah. Like, they don't open out. So they're kind of, they're, they're at a strange, it's almost like the wings of a fly. And to reach that door is super awkward. <laughs> and that's one of the few cars where I've been like, you know, this is, every day this would get annoying. Okay, another thing that would get annoying is uh, having dirty pants. And every time, so the the i8, I I'm listening in some in some <laughs> wet weather, and because you have to you have to, how, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to get over this monocoque um, carbon fiber body, and so you have to raise one foot at a time or whatever. And then when you're in it, there's no way for you to get your swing your feet from the the regular seating position out in front of the or out to the side of the car without rubbing your pants on the side of the the car. So in which case you're going to get your your the back of your legs dirty. Yeah, I mean, does you that know, make any sense to you? It it it's it's a convoluted way of saying it has a wide door sill. So yeah, it has can... extremely wide door sills, and the door sills are are higher than the than the seats. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean a, a lot of cars with that shape are are in a similar situation. Well, what the you can't just say every car is like that. I didn't say I every would, car is like that. I would prefer it. Um, I would prefer it if we had. I would prefer it if there was a way to, to to get around that. I don't know what the what could be done for that, but um, that's the way it is. Well, um, I'm sure BMW is listening to this, and they're already on the drawing board for the i9, and they're like, Sammy said, more narrow door sills, and, yes. and put the seats on the roof so that he doesn't get his pants dirty. Exactly. <laughs> and then someone's going to be like, well, I thought I thought we didn't have a roof this time, and then they're, then it's, they're just like, all right, we're canceling the i9. But I will admit, every time I drive the car, it is such a blast to drive. I was hoping that it would have um, a tiny bit more, what's the word I'm looking for, um, straight line speed. It is great off the line, but then it like peters out a little bit. That's the way that electric motors seem to to behave, and the turbocharged engine as well does not assist in the in the top speed as well. But the car feels very natural. Um, it really rotates nicely. It it just is so much fun to drive that I don't care that it only takes four and a half seconds to highway speeds when other cars are doing Wait, it. When like a so Mustang does it in four. So it's four and a half seconds to zero to 60, and you're complaining about that, and it looks like the Batmobile, like a convertible yes. Batmobile, and you're like, ugh, I'm done with this. <laughs> and then there's this, there's these logos, this Roadster logo on the B-pillar of the car. So on one car, one side of the car, it's How says How does a Roadster. Roadster have a B-pillar? <laughs> it's like a... If it has no rear seats. Yeah, it's got a B-pillar. I don't know how you describe it. It's the, B, right. it's the pillar right, neck, right behind the door. Okay. Okay? Sure. And... <laughs> Okay, so it's got this Roadster logo. On one side of the car, it says Roadster. And on the other side of the car, the R, the top part of the R, is folded back to represent the fact that it's a convertible. And it looks like it says Toadster. Toadster, eh? Yeah, and I don't know what the deal with that is. Uh, Well, I mean, again, we're going to have to go to BMW for that one um, <laughs> at the next development meeting. It's really weird. Why would a car say Toadster? 
I found out that the toadster is a minor toad seen in Super Mario Adventures. It's an actually oh. a thing. So Nintendo's lawyers are probably already oh. drafting some kind of brief. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it was the car from Battletoads. Really? Yep. It's so a car with a bubble it. dome that can fly through space. Uh, I don't remember that part of Battletoads, but it's been a very long time since I played that video game. Anyone in our audience who's under the age of like 35 probably doesn't know Battletoads. Isn't what the second level of Battletoads like unbeatable? It's really hard, but it's fun. <laughs> you know, the total tangent. But when we were kids, no one told us that some video games were completely impossible, <laughs> and so you would just keep playing them in the hopes that oh, maybe I'm just gonna get better. But you would never get better. Uh, I, for me, I remember when I was a kid, and this is in the '80s. Um, I rented. I was staying over at my at, at uh, a family friend's, and I rented a Nintendo, and I rented Super Mario Brothers 2, and I didn't know that in that game you had to do this super jump by holding the down button, and it would you would flash on the screen, and then you could jump super high. Right. So I would get to a certain level. I think it was like the third level or fourth level of the game, and there's a part to continue. You have to do the super jump. But I didn't know the super jump existed. So I would just get to the super high wall and the game would end for me. And then I would restart the cartridge and I would play again. And it was the only game I had. So I got really good at like the first three levels before I had to return it. Anyway, that's my tangent story. I love that. That's so cute. Yeah. Um, so you just thought there were toads that couldn't jump very high. Yeah, that's what I thought. Weird. Okay. Um, let's princess, talk about whatever... Princess, yeah. toad, princess Toadstool. Yeah, and the, and her car, the Toadstool. That, that was the character, yeah. Um, can you tell me about the car you drove, which is probably far more interesting? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, um, I had a chance to spend a week with the Subaru BRZ TS, which we've yep. talked about on past programs. Uh, and by programs, I mean podcasts. How long ago has it been since you've driven the, the TS, Sammy? Um, maybe two months. Okay. Three months, maybe? So, and you're a BRZ owner, as we pointed out earlier. I and... have a Scion FRS. Why do you keep telling everyone it's a BRZ? They think I changed the front end on it. I think that, I think you did. I think you wanted to be part of an exclusive club that didn't want to have you. So now, you, now you're <laughs> stuck. But uh, so here's the thing about the TS. We've talked about this and um, already. But I like the car. And for those of you who aren't familiar, it's essentially the standard version of the of the BRZ with all of the equipment from the performance pack that you can order with the car. Uh, what's the name of the performance package? It's actually called the performance package. That's what it's yes. called. And that means in the performance package itself, you get things like upgraded wheels. Um, you get different uh, different suspension in the sense that it has a more aggressive dampers. And it comes with Brembo brakes. So you get like the, the nice red calibers and all that stuff. So right. you throw on top of that. You get STI body kit stuff. So, so door sills. There's a front lip. There's uh, a rear under. They call it an under spoiler. It's it's kind of um, I guess a diffuser kind of thing. Oh. And there's that. Like, it's like the car's underwear. No. Why would you? That's just anyway. Uh, there's a there's also a giant wing. So the giant wing you can't get from the 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 package. So all those things it's I just carbon, mentioned. It's a carbon fiber spoiler yeah and it's adjustable so all the things except for the wing you can order on the brz limited if you want to it's they're all separate options but you can't uh, you you can't i don't think get the springs which are sti springs they're 15 percent stiffer in the front and three percent stiffer in the back which seems completely unnecessary um there's a strut tower brace mm-hmm. which is labeled as a flexible strut tower brace which seems completely ridiculous to me like why why would you want a brace that flexes uh, and there's one at the lower front cross member as well. Um, okay. I, it, they use ball joints to to connect, so they're not 
they're not the the type of like bolt in Titan once and forget about it. Okay. Uh, that that comes on the TS. You can't get that. Uh, it has uh, there's a the front end is a little different looking with the fog lights. It's there's some minor um, cosmetic details inside and out, including seats. Um, but the point I'm trying to make here's why I'm listing all this equipment. The 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 TS. How many do they make, Sammy? Uh, it's a very limited edition. I think maybe 500. I'm not sure. It's so, gotta be more than 500. So it's, there weren't that. there weren't a lot of them, but they were only made in 2018. They're not making them for 2019. Mm-hmm. So if you were to look at the price last year, a base uh, BRZ was 26 grand. Mm-hmm. The price of the TS was 34 355. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And today, if you went to you can't build 2018s anymore. I mean, there's still some in inventory. But if you go to Subaru's website and you build a limited with all of the performance stuff except for the wing and the cosmetics, it's only 32. So okay. right away, that's a $2,000 savings. Mm-hmm. My other point, though, is even if you were to just order a base BRZ for like 26, yep. you could go to the aftermarket and get all of this stuff for less money than you would pay from Subaru. Or so, you might get what you, people have always wanted, which was more power, too. Yeah, you might be able to get that, too, because this car doesn't come with more power. It's a 205 horsepower and 156 mm-hmm. pound-feet of torque. If that bothers you, don't buy this car without uh, a definite plan for forced induction of some kind. Yeah. Um, it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I like the car a lot. I, I really like the platform. We've talked about it numerous times. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the real value, if you want to use that word in the TS, is in it being a unique limited edition specific to um, one model year vehicle. Right. And if you want to own a piece of BRZ history or what you think is a piece of BRZ history, this is the only real way to do it. But if you were going to buy a factory track car, I think that the – personally, I think the base BRZ is a, a better, more compelling option. What do you think, Sammy? I completely agree with you, actually. And that's – I mean, that's what I have. I have a completely base 2013 model um, because I thought if I wanted to do anything to it, I would rather – not spend that money up front and do it later on. Um, one of the most important parts of the BRZTS is the Michelin Pilot Sport 4 tires that are are wrapped around the tire uh, around the wheels. These are an important part of the car if you wanted to get better performance right off the bat. Changing the tires on the base car is how you do it. And yeah, but I, I'm going to go on record as saying you can get cheaper tires that are just as good. Yeah, as probably. Those tires. Yeah. So if you're if you're a budget-minded performance person, and I think you are, if you're interested in a BRZ, mm-hmm. then you need to look not at the spend, app. Not buy the most expensive yeah, BRZ. Don't, right? don't. Like, it, I mean, there's so many cases where we look at cars, and we've talked about it again and again on the podcast, where the top tier edition of the car is not not necessarily the value. It's it's right. not necessarily you're paying more, but you're not necessarily getting more for your money um, in the same way you would if you had upgraded a lesser model. It, it's not a linear equation where more money equals more performance or more comfort or whatever. Sometimes it's just exclusivity, which is very much what the BRZTS is giving you. And it's a good car. Don't get me wrong. It's a compelling vehicle. And you could take it to a racetrack and have fun with it. But you can also take a base BRZ to a racetrack and have fun with it too. Right. So um, it depends on your budget and the reason you're buying the car. But I, I that's my opinion on the TS. And I, I would like to see them continue in this mold and offer more interesting versions of this car i mean if you think back to if we talk about the scion frs i think sammy you have a friend who has one right yep 
And uh, they offered so many different release editions and special editions of various Scion vehicles. And the BRZ hasn't really gotten that same kind of love. And you would think that it's a it's an inexpensive way for Subaru to keep people interested in a, in a platform that's getting a little bit older. Um, there's so many different ways they could spice this up or even create like a whole line of STI parts for the car mm-hmm. that's more extensive than what they have now. Um, I agree it, with you on I agree with you on this front. I mean, Subaru did release some kind of really, really, I wouldn't, I don't want to call them weak special editions because who knows what I would do too if I had the chance, but, um, or the resources that Subaru had. But these are the series yellow and series blue versions of the BRZ. They just didn't seem to have the visual punch that the TRD um, series, release series that uh, Toyota and Scion did with their version of the car. But what you said, which which was, it's a one of 500 model. Uh, it's for the person who wants a piece of BRZ history. Is that a thing? Is that a real thing that you think um, is is necessary, is is what we want to do? And I don't know. Is We don't know if there's going to be a second model year yet. Right? It's, it's, I mean, a second generation? I don't really think BRZ history is a thing. I was kind of using that as, uh, if you're a fan of the BRZ, then yeah, it's going to be important to you. I, I don't know this is a historically significant car. That's not necessarily what I was trying to if get across. If you're a fan of the BRZ, you'd have had one before by now, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe you just got your license and you're super excited. And you, so you get the most expensive version of a budget yeah, car. You, you it know doesn't what? make treat, any sense. Treat yourself, Sammy. Treat yeah, yourself. Yeah, I've heard that before. I don't know. It's such a tough thing because, like, I loved driving this car, right? Like, and I especially liked putting it on the track. It was a lot of fun on the track. It is a ton of fun. It's so well-balanced. Uh, I don't care about the, the power situation because I'm just having a, a ball in the car. And, you right. know, you really do have to keep it uh, revved up for the for, to access the power in the car. And that's fine. If you're on a racetrack, that's where you're going to be. Your car is going to be living at Redline. Yeah. So it's not really an issue. I mean, around town, you're not going to win stoplight battles. And in that giant wing on the back is kind of, you know, if you're, if you're at a red light beside a, a Civic Type R mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're throwing shade on this car with your giant wing, then yeah, that might be an embarrassing situation. For you, but if you're comfortable in yourself and you don't really care what other people think, then who cares? And you're going to enjoy this car. Okay, so that's an important part of the car. I mean, I truly believe it is more. It is fun, and the TS version is actually quite a lot of fun. Like I said, um, that I don't know if if it's the wing that helps or the other um, adjustments to the suspension. The car is a blast to drive, especially on the track. So if you are at all going to take your BRZ to the track and you don't know what to do in the aftermarket. I guess the TS is for you. You also get a very special version of the car, one of 500. But if you have an idea of what you would rather do, um, you can probably save some money buying a base model. And if you don't take your car to the track on a regular basis, you'd probably um, be less of a heat, like a heat target or a heat check on everybody else with your ginormous spoiler. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you you have one of these cars. Do you feel like you're a target on the street? Do you feel like the uh, absolutely not because I don't have guys? I, don't, I don't have a ginormous wing because so nobody. But you do have that wrap of your face on the hood, which is super yes. awkward. Whenever I'm riding with you, it's <laughs> I sink real low in the seat and pull my why? hat down, and I think you know why. Well, because I tinted the windows, they can't see who's driving the car, so I put the face wrap on the hood. That's how I do it. 
That makes right. sense. It made sense to me when I did it. It made sense to everyone I asked. Why are you now you're the only person who thinks it doesn't make sense? No, I'm nonsense. not the only person who doesn't think it makes sense. I'm the only person who's brave enough to stand up to you. <laughs> well, this is insane. I can't imagine. <laughs> I think you're I think you're just trying to create some sort of artificial tension for the podcast. As always, Ben. That's why I keep mailing you those anonymous letters to just build up the tension. <laughs> Who's, who keeps sending me these? Who keeps scratching the eyes off of my hood? <laughs> Good thing I bought five wraps. <laughs> um, what do you think, though? It it shows that Subaru and their STI, their their what does what does STI stand for? Subaru Technica in, or Technica International, something like that. Yeah, this is their their like motorsports division, their rally sport division, and they've now put a bunch of their badges all over this car with the exception of it being under the hood. Are they ready to do it yet? Like, that's the question. Are they just are they just biding their time for the last model year of this generation of car, and that's when they're going to put the power in there? Or... I don't think we're getting the power. I don't think the car sells enough to justify the investment, and I don't think we're ever going to see it. That's my opinion on it. But then, so is the is the TS or the STI badges, are those um, really superficial? Are they have, Has it actually been touched by STI? The same it people who do that WRX STI, which is an insanely awesome car. It depends on if you buy into the hype. I mean, if you, you like, well, I, I, as a objective journalist, no. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's marketing and the STI, it, it's a real division in Subaru. I mean, are you trying to, are you insinuating that Subaru doesn't have a performance division? No, no, I'm, I'm suggesting <laughs> that they took their favorite badges from the, the STI division and just put it all over the car. Um, no, I mean, it has genuine STI parts in it. I mean, but you just said some of the parts are actually just from the performance pack. Yeah, but all of the body parts that say STI on them are actually advertised as STI under spoiler, STI body kit, et cetera, et cetera. But can't we get some of that stuff on the, um, TRD version or the TRD version or the 86? I have no idea. I think we can get some of them. I mean, you'd know more than I would about that. (laughs) Do, would I? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think you're trying to say that that the there's there's no difference between the BRZTS and like a TRD FRS. You think it's the same development? And and sure. and yeah, if maybe. so, if so, you're saying that that matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I guess you're right there. I would like to see more being done with the BRZ and in the and the even the TRD the what is it called the 86 TRD Special Edition, which also exists. Um, I will see how many of these exist. But yes, okay. So this makes this is interesting. This is interesting. The BRZTS only 500 of them are um, are made. The brand new Toyota 86 TRD Special Edition has 1,418. So more than double. Yeah, which makes total sense because the FRS always outsold the BRZ because Toyota has a bigger distribution network. Okay, so this car has uh, Saks dampers, front and rear Brembo brakes. Uh, Pilot Sport 4 tires, so the same stuff there. Um, it looks really different. I'm looking at it right now. and it's the, all. It, oh, yeah, the rear spoiler is super neat. Yeah, and the front air dam is completely different. Um, well, because they have different bumpers altogether. It also has a performance exhaust, and it's. I, I'd say they're different in enough cars. So I'm going to totally negate your argument and okay. think that... No, is there's no. This is not some. It's. I don't think it's an STI cash-in. I think it's Subaru okay. doing the best they can within the limitations imposed on them by the budget. 
Perfect. That's that's what I wanted to hear. That's what I wanted to think. That's what I wanted somebody to to explain right here on this podcast. Um, I think that's an important element of this car. And uh, going forward, we'll see if those cars either diverge further, like further, they go further apart, or if they come close together and they can figure out some sort of more power. Because that's the only way this car will get back in the headlines. I think. I don't. I don't think so because uh, no one buys coupes to begin with. Yeah. I, I am not convinced that uh, more power is the magic formula to s- jumpstart sales for these cars. I mean, if you look at cars that do two-door cars that do sell, like the Camaro, the Mustang, and the Challenger, although mm-hmm. in, in, not in that order. I, I guess it's Challenger, Mustang, Camaro. Mm-hmm. It, they have very broad lineups. They're usable, everyday cars with a, a reasonable backseat, especially the Challenger. Okay. And they have some nostalgia baked into them. Uh, that helps with you know boomer sales. So it, the, the the FRS and the BRZ have none of these things, and they're they're not gonna suddenly because they're more powerful. I mean, if you look, if this were the case, the 370Z would be a strong seller too, right? Right. So I I just don't I think it's that segment of the market is just kind of languid in a lot of okay. ways. Okay. Yeah, it's gotten it's gotten uh, stale. Yeah, you would soak up some initial interest for sure i mean there would be a spike there's always a spike when a new sports car comes out and then like four years later it's selling a handful of examples it's such a classic curve on any sports car sale so is there anything you would do to the subaru in-house offering of, uh, of the brz to to make it worthy of a of a tuned by sti badge or, or Wait, further worthy so the way you phrase this question makes me seem like i don't think it's worthy of this okay, badge, well, I mean, you're there, the one who has the problem with it well you did mention like if you want it, um, the only reason you would get this is if you want a piece of brc history of which yeah. there is limited history but I, I feel that way about a lot of special edition tuner cars. It's it's you're never gonna get the best deal from the factory if you want to go racing. I mean, the number right. of cars that offer that are you know you could probably count on one hand. I mean for every um, Dodge what, like Viper, Copo uh, Camaro or something like that. No, I'm know. talking about like an ACR. I mean oh, that's right. that is a legitimate buy it and drive immediately to the racetrack vehicle. And if you tried to duplicate that car on the aftermarket, you would spend a lot of money, mm-hmm. and you would maybe come close. But uh, I think that the package that Chrysler was offering with that car when it was on sale was incredible value. And I think another another example is the um, Corvette uh, Grand Sport. I think that gets gives you the best parts of the Corvette with a very reliable engine and an everyday driving package. And all of it's very track capable. Uh, the 1LE Camaro is another car that would be very hard to duplicate. I actually tried to duplicate that car using the Chevy Performance Parts catalog, mm-hmm. and it's hard because there's some things you can't get that that are exclusive to that vehicle. So, but those you were limited. Be, but you were limited by the Chevrolet parts bin, right? Yeah, but I mean, a lot of that's like internal transmission stuff and cooling, yeah. and you can't easily add that if if it's even possible to add that to uh, a standard version of the Camaro. So those cars, I think, are really um, compelling packages for the racetrack. The TS, I mean, I don't think there's anything about that car you couldn't easily do yourself, as I said before, but I also don't think there's anything about that car that makes it dramatically better than a base model. Yeah. Uh, a 1LE is dramatically better than a base model Camaro. It's it's night and day. So that, that, that would be my thinking on that. But you'll notice I've only said about three cars. Right. Because I can't think of, you know, like an M2 competition package is it that much better than than the regular m2 it, i don't think it's so. hard to, it's hard to say uh it's it becomes more of a gray area i think um it, so 
Uh, it would have to be part- those really niche and quite expensive vehicles like the M4 GTS or like there was an M3, uh, an M, yeah, was there an M3CS, right? Um, these very, very, and, and those cars also get a lot of really bespoke features like carbon fiber drive shafts and other really special carbon fiber bits. And the BRZ only has a carbon fiber spoiler and that's where the money has gone. If you're going to spend a lot, if you're going to make everything else out of carbon fiber, the car would, the car's price would skyrocket, right? And I don't even know if you need that much downforce on a BRZ. I mean, right. it's not, a, it's not a particularly difficult platform to drive. Um, I remember back in the day, one of the TRD teams made a very aero-heavy um, version of the Toyota 86, and it was a beast. It was super fast, um, and that was their their claim to fame. And that's why you'll notice some of the developments in the TRD versions of the 86 have these little flaps in the front fender and, and around the car. They really doubled down on the aero, and they said that that's what the car um, really responds well to. And I would like to I would like to experience that myself. I, I think, you know, if you had the right kind of track, then you would probably yeah. um, benefit from that kind of stuff. If you're just going to autocross and stuff, aero is yeah. not a huge deal. It, it can be, it, depending on the autocross setup. But for the most part, you, you'd be better off, you know, leaving the wing at home because it's going to weigh less and then just focusing on suspension and tires. Okay, Ben, I want to talk a little bit about tracking um, cars. So you started this podcast by explaining that your Datsun did not make it to your latest uh, racing event. I wanted to hear what you did instead. You you got to drive your dad's Mustang around the track, right? And this is the first time you've driven it like this? It's so... Uh, I'd driven am I, dad's... Am I catching you off guard? This is my favorite part of the podcast. Yeah, completely. Well, I was just getting into the shower, but uh, I thought we were done. Um, no, it's... Uh, it, I've driven dad's Mustang. He's got... It's a 2005 GT, and it's totally stock. I mean, it has uh, um, nice, decent tires on it. They're Hankook RS3s, and it's... I convinced him to get a track alignment, and this was the first time he'd done that, uh, and it really helped with the car. But uh, yeah, it's, it is a stock Mustang GT, five-speed. And I'd driven it maybe 20 minutes before at a past track day, um, but I was very, very gentle with it because um, it's not my car, right? So I, I know last week I was talking about uh, driving cars that aren't mine uh, in anger, but uh, it's different when, when the car doesn't belong to you. You have to be respectful. So when, when my Datsun broke, uh, we ended up dual driving the car, which is always hard in a vehicle, right? Because you're, you're putting a lot more heat into it and you start to eat up brakes a lot quicker. Tires wasn't so much of an issue because it rained for half the day. So the, f- the first half of the day, I drove it in the wet. And it was fine. I mean, it, it plowed a little bit on some of the corners. We were at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and we were using the road course. And some of the areas where it transitions from the road course to the oval and back, they have a slicker pavement. And that pavement, uh, if you get on throttle at all at the wrong time, you're going to be sideways. So, yeah. So, But then at the end of the day, it dried out. And I got I had a completely dry session, and I was just amazed by the car itself. I'd always discounted the the S197 platform. I don't know why. I, it just you know the live axle. It's a little heavy, and I was like, eh. My, I compared to my father's Fox body, which I really enjoyed driving. I thought this would be a letdown, but wow, it was an extremely easy car to drive quickly, and it surprised me on with the types of cars I was catching and passing on the racetrack in this stock Mustang GT. And I came away from that day just way more impressed with the car than I had I, I I didn't give it enough credit let's put it that way so okay. everyone out there who's rocking like an 05 to 2012 Mustang I think that's the the, the range mm-hmm. uh congratulations because that's a great platform and it's inexpensive 
and it's easy to easy to drive quickly. So the, I, I I love the boss from that era. I'd always really oh, like yeah. the boss Mustang, but uh, the, the the just the the base GT is is pretty damn decent. That boss actually, it's one of the weirdest things about the boss Mustang, the boss 302, is that it like appreciated almost instantly. Well, there they you know it's another one of those rare cars, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they didn't make very many of them, but it, it, there were so many cool changes to it. I think it's like, what, 200 and 300 changes that were made to the car, if you include all the different drivetrain things. Right. Um, that's awesome. I mean, that's what that's a car that, like, to go back to the BRZTS, is a car that, like, kind of puts the exclamation mark on a certain generation of, of a, a loved sports car. And, <laughs> yeah, and I think a sure. lot of people went nuts for it. And then further than that, it, like I said, it appreciated. Could you imagine just instantly like that? Most people tell you that a new car will never appreciate like that. And well, I mean, the other the other Ford that did that is the Ford GT, right? Right. And yeah, that's, I just that, I can't get over that. That's one of my my favorite in, instincts of the the Mustang Boss 302 is it's a very expensive, hard to find vehicle that um, that is legendary in that generation, right? And now, so Sammy, uh, what are we going to be talking about next week? What do you have on deck? Next week, I uh, I drove a I drove a Mazda CX-9, and I will be also comparing two very affordable cars: the Volkswagen Jetta and the Nissan Kicks. Very okay. weird comparison there, but they're in the same price bracket. They might have the same kind of buyers, people who are looking um, for something that costs a certain amount of money, and they might be wondering whether or not a subcompact crossover can take it to a compact sedan. Okay, well, and next week I'm going to be talking about the Subaru Outback, which we've talked about a few times, or Ooh, maybe one, one time, I think. One of the best-selling vehicles that Subaru makes. I love yeah. talking about the Outback. So I'm, uh, I, I've been spending some uh, miles behind the wheel, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get deep into the Outback. Perfect. If you wanted to hear one of our last 96 previous episodes, you can go to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to our podcast using a bunch of the buttons at the top of the website. You can subscribe to us using Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, as well as Spotify and Pocket Casts as well. You can also follow along to all of our, what's the word we're looking for, exploits on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Unnamed Automotive Podcast there, or you can find me and Ben individually you can find me on Twitter. Never together. <laughs> yes. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha. And Ben is found on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. If you want to do something less public, like follow us in messages in a social media platform, you can send an email. Ben loves getting reader emails. You can find him. He's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And we look forward to entertaining you next week. Bye.